Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio today. We're going to be doing a show on the 2019 year in review. Now, <laughs> I will say this. Almost every year here on Ag PhD Radio, as it gets toward the end of the calendar year, we kind of do a little year in review show. Honestly, this year, I think we probably should have skipped it because <laughs> it's a lot of bad news. But I will say this. I'm super optimistic because of what's going on right now in agriculture. I think 2020 could be a fantastic year. And there were some lessons that we learned in 2019 that definitely can help us in the future. So uh, before we get into all that, I I guess I want to go back to when I was a young agronomist, my early 20s. I had these um, three really big farmers that I was working with, and they talked to me a lot at about this time of year about the benefits of prepaying. And they prepaid as much as they possibly could because they basically just said, Brian, we're trying to push off our tax bill. We still are going to have to pay the tax someday. But the longer we can push it off, the more we get to use that money. And that's worth a tremendous amount to us. So by delaying that tax bill for, in effect for them, 40 years, because if you look at, all right, let's say they started at age, call it 25, 30 when they were running their farm to the time they retired. I mean, you push it off for 40 years. That's a big deal. You figure the interest on that for 40 years, it's a lot of money. Now, I'll also say if any non-farmer ever gives you a hard time about, hey, you're a farmer and you get this benefit of prepaying and you don't have to pay tax, you just stop them right there. Whoa, it's we still have to pay the tax eventually. All we're doing is putting money into the economy, and that's really what the government wants. That's why we get this break uh, or this opportunity, I should say, uh, to delay the tax bill because in order for it to happen, we have to spend money right now. And what do they always say about money in the economy? It turns like seven times. So it's a big deal. And I would just encourage you to really look hard at this. You still have 24 hours to go, a little over 24 hours to go, all right, before the end of the year. But I know I'm looking at that on our farm too. So I've still got certain expenses I want to pay, and we're going to make sure that our tax bill is what I want it to be. Um, We'll just continue delaying that, pushing that off for years. It works out great. And I guess the, the, the only thing I would encourage you to do is make sure wherever you're prepaying, you are smart about that. In other words, I, I know as farmers, we're always, always looking for great deals out there. Believe me, I am too. But we got to be careful about who we're working with because there are some operations that may not be there come spring. So you prepay them and then all of a sudden your money's lost. And going back to these three big farmers he used to work with years ago, they, they told me some horror stories of, yep, we prepaid that guy, he went bankrupt. We prepaid with that co-op, uh, they went broke. We prepaid with that one, they merged with somebody else, they went give us our money. And it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and they just said, hey, make sure you're talking to people about this because, you know, we made the mistake, we just don't want it to happen to others. So be careful about what you're doing with your prepaid money. But anyway... Prepaying is a really big deal. You still have a little bit of time to get it done before the end of 2019. Yeah, your interview, Brian, this year, in hindsight, you're right. Probably not the best thing. I'm excited for 2019 season to be over. But then again, there's a new corn world record. There's a new soybean world record. Who knows? Uh, there may, may be some other things we haven't heard about out there, too. I mean, there were some fantastic things that happened this year in some areas. 
uh, and certainly some things that didn't. And among the lessons that we're going to learn, there's there's a lot of them. You look at how many prevent plant acres that were across the country, how they're going to be handled going into 2020 is going to be interesting. I know on our farm, the, the drainage topic is always big. And for many of the guys with prevent plant, it ended up being a poor drainage issue. And uh, I know there's quite a few of those guys that I've talked to that, yeah, I'm working on that. If I can get in there, if uh, I can get some stuff done, that's great. Uh, in other in other situations, guys are like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to keep farming that ground. I might let somebody else have that headache, and I'm going to move on to some ground that doesn't have all those challenges. I don't know if that's even an option because it was really widespread in a lot of areas with Prevent Plant. But, yeah, there's definitely going to be some lessons learned. We've had so many callers really the last couple of months here on the show talking about cover crop and, hey, I got cover crop into those prevent plant acres, so at least I won't have the issue with fallow syndrome next year. Well, you shouldn't have as much issue. Let's keep in mind, if there was flooding there so you couldn't plant, you lost some of your beneficial microbes. But yes, hopefully you've recovered most of those by having that cover crop in there. I, I mean, when I think about 2019, though, Darren, I just look at two things. And yeah, you talked about what a horrible year it is, but Drainage, number one, uh, you know, we had a bunch of fields that were tiled right next to farmers who had fields that were untiled. We planted our, our fields that were tiled for the most part, other than one field that was literally on the river bottom and the tile couldn't run because the creek was full all summer. Um, you know, all our tiled fields actually turned out great. So, and it was right next to guys that had prevent plant. So all I'm saying here is, you know, improving drainage is tremendously important and, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious to everybody. I mean, tiles going in the ground at an almost record pace in the United States and in Canada right now. Um, and, and then, you know, really the other big thing, Darren, I think for me was green snap. Green snap in 2019, it was worse than we've ever, ever seen it before. And I think that's pretty obvious. Um, you know, you think about the conditions that led up to it. If drainage was poor, you're not going to have as good a root system. Planting was delayed, meaning the corn gets taller. Corn gets taller when you plant it later in most areas. So we had taller corn without as much root system. And also, let's face it, the fall before, guys didn't get their fertility on. Guys kind of, well, even on our own farm, cheated in the spring compared to what we normally do and didn't get as much on as we normally would. So our crops were lacking in fertility, had poor root systems, and we're taller than normal. It's no wonder we had green snapping corn. Yeah, it, it was a definitely a, a learning year. And many guys that I've talked to, Brian, that had green snap as a result of late planted corn say, you know, there's probably an end date that I should do in addition to— I disagree. To, I disagree. Oh, it, it made a huge difference this yeah, year. Yeah, it did. But did they have enough fertility? The fertility was the key. If That's, you had drainage, if you had well-tiled fields, hey, those, and those you had 4 to 8% are, those base things saturation viable K, issues, you're Brian, in good shape. So was the planting date because when the winds hit—now, you never know when the winds I are going to hit. When plant, they hit this year, if it was tasseled— no, but guys snap. plant silage corn late all the time and don't have a big issue. you got to have the right fertility for the crop you're trying to raise. Well, we'll talk more about 2019 Year in Review coming up next. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus, LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. 
When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready-to-Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're doing a 2019 year in review, and yeah, there's there were some good things happening in 2019. There were a lot of things that didn't go our way as well. Love to hear about you and what's happening on your farm and how 2019 went for you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Davey Stevens on with us right now down in Kentucky, and Davey's the current president of the American Soybean Association. Davey, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I've actually moved to chairman, uh, which is the position after president, but wonderful year serving as 2019 president of American Soy and what we do with policy. That's true. We're jumping a year here now, aren't we? Okay, so let's talk about this. You you certainly had the China question quite often as uh, we see some of these trade deals starting to come through. Uh, Certainly certainly a lot of relief for a lot of growers. Well, there's a lot of relief for, you know, the growers across this country. But when we look at phase one, we don't know all the implications until we know everything that's in that. You know, we really don't know yet. You know, there's speculation. But I think we're close. And we've got USMCA on the back heels of that. And it's going to be good. It's going to be a good 2020. You know, in the meantime, the Soybean Association wasn't just sitting on its laurels uh, out there looking for new markets, new uses. And I know as farmers, a lot of times you think, oh, man, what's really happening? Because we aren't there on the front lines uh, fighting those battles. We've got got other folks like yourself that are doing that. Talk to us about that. I mean, that, that had to be pretty exciting talking to some new places we haven't been selling stuff to that are that are really growing. Well, that it, you're, you're correct in saying that. There's a lot of new markets. We, as farmers, have put our eggs in one basket. And with that being said, we didn't identify different markets that we could go into. So as we move forward, we've got new markets identified. And uh, Secretary Ted McKinney, has, Undersecretary Ted McKinney, has made that possible with what his and, and the whole administration's effort is to identifying those markets. But yet we also want to preserve our 
market of China and USMCA and, and all the dealings with those two, those three countries and, and what we're doing with Japan right now, Korea, uh, just all the different markets. So we're working hard to develop those new markets. I know our export council's right in the middle of that, and they do a great job in carrying that message. We, and we sure appreciate that. Uh, and, you know, this year, a lot of challenging uh, situations around mm-hmm. the country. We're in South Dakota, and, of course, we had a lot of prevent plant here. How did Kentucky turn out? What were your crops like down there? Well, we had a very good year with what was able to go in. Well, th- this spring was, was, was challenging, just like anyone else, but not as much as some of our Midwestern states and when you go into the Dakotas and in Minnesota and what that is with pre with preventive plan and all that. And so we had our, we had our difficulties and there's been years of we've suffered what you have. And overall we, we were good. We were good. And, and I'm very thankful for that. And that's what we're moving forward into 2020. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, this uh, this year was interesting, but we do have hope that 2020 is going to be better. Did you guys end up on a dry note down there, or did it end up being uh, uh, a pretty good good end of the year? It was a good end of the year. We got some rains. We, we kind of suffered for a week or two, but then in the end, we got the, a few rains that kind of managed it along till we started getting rains, and then we were able to just have a, have a great harvest that was a, kind of a peaceful harvest that hasn't happened in the last two or three years. And and we were able to do that. And that, that helps when you're as a farmer, besides what all is going on in the political world of what is, you just get back to getting your kind of getting your hands dirty and just getting into everything. Absolutely. Always feel better uh, when you can do that. Get back on the farm and get to work. I've been talking with Davey Stevens down in Kentucky, who's uh, chairman with the American Soybean Association. Davey, thank you so much. Really appreciate what you do, and thanks for sharing that with us today. Well, thanks for putting our voice out. You Uh bet. See you. You bet. Appreciate it. All right. uh, Let's get back to the phone lines here. We've got Dan with us out in Colorado. Dan, how are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. How are you, gentlemen? Pretty good, pretty good. Okay, we're only a couple of days away here. We'll be into 2020. What uh, what was 2019 like on your farm? You know, on our farm, we, I hate to say it, we were sitting in a garden spot. Uh, very good crops. We had some, you know, we had some problems like everybody with some excess moisture at times. But uh, really, on the overall, I can't complain one bit about yields and, and quality on our farm this year. Now, I heard a lot of reports about hail in Colorado, western Kansas. Did you manage to miss yep. that? Was it was it very far we, from home? We didn't. We actually had some right on the northwest corner of where we farm. Um, but we were good enough that we still had decent yields even after some hail. There was quite a bit, it seemed like, uh, you know, all spring, all early summer long. We had a lot of big storms roll through this country. Uh, you know, the, went ahead and rolled on through the Midwest, but it's, they start here. Yep. Yep. They sure do. Yeah. It, that was the tough thing when we were complaining, oh man, we got another three inch rain. And, uh, I talked to guys out your way. You were like, well, we got hailed out. We'll, we'll take three yeah. inches of rain instead of that. Uh, so I guess, how does that influence things going into this next year? What do you do on those hailed out acres? Do you stay with the same rotation or do you have to change things up? Well, it depends on, on when they're hailed. You know, if they're hailed real early in the spring, a guy might be able to put some kind of spring crop in it or feed, feed crop in it, you know, a millet crop or a hay crop of some kind. 
usually, you know, they're tailed out late, like before harvest time. Guys will typically just wait, stay in the same rotation. Uh, you know, it's too late to put anything in at that time, so they just stay in the same rotation and will either follow it or come back to some dried on corn or sunflowers or something next spring. Did uh, the market prices change anything for you in terms of crops you're growing, or or what? Uh, what's your game plan going into 2020? Well, we're most of our seed wheat production goes for certified seed to other growers, you know, area growers within a hundred mile radius from us. So we're we've developed a kind of a of a nice seed wheat business. We're typically one of the bigger ones in the state of Colorado in sales every year. So that helps from that standpoint. You know, corn. Um, we do farm for some feedlots, you know, that take a lot of corn silage, which is nice because we just don't have the harvest cost in it. Uh, but, you know, our, our local prices have bumped up some, you know. The announcement of the China trade deal, uh, the U.S., the, you know, the Canada-Mexico deal coming through a little more and hopefully being ratified here by the Senate in January. Just, uh, you know, some maybe positives in agriculture to, on the trade side for once. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. We're it's good to hear some some good news in agriculture uh, this go around. Uh, the other thing that we've heard a lot about in Colorado is is just uh, weed control and and some of the issues going on there. Are, are there any problem weeds in your area? How how is how has that been for you? Well, I think the biggest one you look at is is uh, any Roundup resistant kochia uh, cause real problems. You know, this country has gone quite a bit to no-till, but the Roundup Ready Kosha has had some guys go back to dragging iron through it, uh, trying to, that's the only way they can kill some of it. So it's a, it's changing. Uh, you know, I think we're, we're slowly beginning to get some of the problems that, that the Midwest has had. You know, I've heard a couple of guys talk about just some bad palmer on some irrigated acres that, that hurt them. Um you know, and the, and then, but then of course the other big crop you, I think you got mentioned these days is more and more circles of hemp going in, and people yep. look, looking at hemp around the country. Yep, yeah, that's uh, that is definitely an interesting thing, and certainly Colorado is uh, ground zero for a lot of that talk, as as you've probably been in a little longer than some of the other states. Uh, it, yeah. What what would you say on that? I guess what what have you learned, or what would be one piece of information to give to new states that are just getting on board? Well, you know, I think as far as the CBD oil, it's going to be a very small niche market. Uh, you know, in fact, I've heard some things already that the market is saturated with the amount of hemp acres that have already gone in around the country. And so I think it's going to take time for stuff to develop a little bit. We'll, we'll see how they develop a little bit. If it's going to be another dot-com or another uh, ethanol industry where one of these days you can buy not for 10 cents on the dollar that could be the case too yeah i am with you on that i think uh i think the markets people get all excited about it and as as agriculturalists we tend to overproduce and it, it seems like that's what's happened this year anyway it'll be fun to see how that plays out hey dan thank you so much really appreciate you joining us yes exactly sounds good hey thanks dan good luck in 2020 stay tuned we'll be right back Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. 
Impact, Impact Z, and Buy to Save 3 are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Graze On Next herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Graze On Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit LeaveTheWeedsToUs.com to learn more about Graze On Next. Always read and follow label directions. We know balanced crop nutrition pays. AgriLiquid has the research, technology, and products you need to grow a great crop. Plus the expertise to give you a recommendation based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. AgriLiquid has the phosphorus, potassium, and micronutrient products necessary to deliver the best results from a solid fertility program. Visit AgriLiquid.com to find a dealer near you. In order to be the best farmer you can be, you've got to have a grain marketing plan. But what do you do when you're too busy out in the fields trying to maximize yield? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are always busy learning more about how to make our farm more successful. That's why we use Grain PhD to learn more about grain marketing and to work with our Grain PhD risk expert to create a complete grain marketing strategy. Visit grainphd.com to learn more about a free consultation for your operation. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Our phone lines are open throughout the show. We're doing a review of 2019. Maybe you don't want to talk about 2019. Maybe you want to talk about 2020. That would be okay as well. 844-44-AG-PHD will get you into the show. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Or find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Well, we've got some snow here rolling through the area where we're at, so I'm wondering at a little higher altitude in Montana how Mitch is doing. Mitch, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you guys? Good, good. You guys catching the snow out there too? Uh, no, not really yet. It's just been pretty open winter so far. Now, is open winter a good thing for you, or have you got some winter wheat out there you could use a little cover on? Oh, we got uh, quite a bit of winter wheat, but... Um... You know, we, we were just so wet last fall that um, 
right now I kind of would would not like a lot of snow uh, where we're at right now. <laughs> I, so. I hear you. I hear you. I know we're thinking that too for uh, for a lot of guys in the Dakotas and Minnesota in the upper Midwest. Uh, they would prefer to have a little less snow this year too and maybe dry out a little yeah. bit going into next year. Yeah. It, um, like I said, we we had a pretty wet year last year and had really good yields and um, all that. But we, you know, we, a lot of guys had trouble getting the crop in the ground this year. And uh, in fact, we had a couple fields we couldn't get done either, but uh, there's a lot of unseeded acres here. You know, that's something that's probably pretty unusual. Have you had many years like that in recent memory? Uh, no, you know, I've, I've had it in the spring sometimes, but um, never really in the fall. And, you know, I'm, I'm 39 years old, but I can't, you know, I went through more dry years than wet. So uh, that kind of sticks in my head. So I'll, I guess we'll take this, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, my dad would always say that too when I was growing up when, when we had a lot more dry years and we had wet years and he'd say, well, if we got moisture in the soil, at least we got a chance of growing something. If if it doesn't rain at all, we don't have irrigation, we're in real trouble. Yeah, exactly right. You can you can create the potential, right? But you just, after that, um, when it's dry land, you're kind of up to um, a higher power, I guess you could say. Where you're at in Montana, do you have much of a wheat stem soft fly issue? Um, you know, we used to, um, until we, uh, we started doing different rotations and, um, we pretty much don't have any right now, except for, uh, sometimes it comes out of, like the brome grass along the ditches and stuff. But, um, other than that, our, our rotation has been strong enough and we block up fields pretty good size. Um, we we got away from a lot of soft light issues. Yeah, that's that's excellent. So, what would you say came into the rotation that helped with that? Is it corn coming in to to get a year away well, from it, or? Yeah, we used dryland corn for probably ten years and kind of went away from it. We now we're more um, replaced that with uh, Roundup Ready alfalfa. Oh, excellent! And so that that that's really really helped, and um, I've even raised some oats along the edge of wheat fields before, and that um, took care of that too. So. Um, if you think outside the box a little bit, you can you can beat them pretty easy. Yeah, that's interesting because there certainly isn't a chemical control that's been found to be effective that a guy could just time and spray uh, for for growers in other parts of the country or, or other parts of North America that may be listening. This wheat stem softfly has been a real challenge, kind of like what we're seeing now with gall midge larvae in soybeans where we've got a fly that lays its eggs inside the stem and that's been a tough one we're talking to mitch out in montana about just changing up the rotation to get away and it sounds like man roundup ready alfalfa would be a pretty nice alternative what's the hay market like now in montana uh well our area that's kind of funny you bring that up it's flooded pretty good now because we've had some good back-to-back years with outstanding yields um I, I personally don't, we don't hay our, hay ours. We, um, we just sell it right out of the field off the stump to, I don't know, five or six neighbors that come in and do it. And so we just kind of lower our price accordingly. But, um, there's a lot of haystacks in this area, a lot. So, um, guys are having a hard time getting rid of hay right now. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's in, it, I've talked to other areas of the country where this year has just been an unbelievable year for them for hay, for prices and yield. And, and uh, yeah, you're right. You can only do that so many times where you have just great production before it starts to build up at, at yeah. uh, some level. Uh, so what yeah, about we're, the, we're, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Well, we're more into uh, the hay. Is, it's a good cash crop and everything, but we want to rotate it for nitrogen, um, uh, cleaning oh, up the sure. stuff like that. So sure. that, that's that's the number one re- reason we do it. You know, if we if we make good money on decent money on the side as an alternative crop compared to winter wheat or wheat in general or malt barley, uh, it's kind of a bonus. But um, for instance, my fertilizer bill this year was was at least cut in half um, urea. So um, that, that's a big bonus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is huge. That is huge. Uh, well, Mitch, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing about that. And, and yeah, when you take out of the box thinking like that and find a way to make lots of money out of it, that's a, that's a great deal. So good luck to you heading into 2020 and really appreciate having you on today. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, let's head over to Wisconsin. We've got Zane with us right now. Zane, okay. We're talking about the hay market over in uh, Montana. What's it like in Wisconsin right now? Oh, the hay market, or what are the hay? <laughs> oh, well, the hay market ain't too bad. So uh, it's running at uh, probably that 180 to $200 a ton, depending okay. on the quality of the hay and stuff like that. So cause, uh, we had a lot of dairy around here. And, uh, but cause, uh, it was a tough year for hay because of all the rain we got. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it was tough. I, I talked to a lot of growers this throughout this growing season that, man, they maybe got one cutting up decent and had a lot of challenge with every time you tried to cut hay, it was just raining, raining, raining. Yeah, that's no doubt about that. Even when it comes to planting and stuff, we had, I know there's guys that were farming. I'm in the area where I have a couple of big, uh, I'm only a small guy in the neighborhood, but I had a couple of guys that are two and 3,000 acre uh, grain farmers. And they have never took prevent a plant. And this year, they had, I don't know, one guy had over 50% of his acres that were prevent a plant. And he has tiled land that just was just so wet by us. But we had a record year for precipitation, too. Oh, yeah, that's a challenge. We got done planting June 17th. How long did guys push it there? Uh, we planted our corn because well, we just wanted some for the steers. And we planted ours. Uh, First and second of July. <laughs> wow! How, how did you turn out? Did it turn out okay, though? It turned out all right, but we couldn't get it off, and the standability was terrible. Yeah. So right, right now, a whole bunch of it's down. We got about half of it off, and it just, it's just been going down now the last few weeks here. So yeah, it's this had no standability to it because had no, the ruts are all on the surface because it was wet all year by me. Yep, yep. Did you did you turn out uh, where a guy could get in the field decent, or are you having to rut it up trying to get out there and get it? Oh, I our fields are a mess, so I I couldn't even. I wanted to go subsoil this fall, and I had just so much water setting, I couldn't even get traction to subsoil these things. So I just I just left it be and uh, went and uh, picked up a trucking job on the side to help support the farm through the winter. And and you're looking forward to 2020 just like we are. <laughs> let's let's oh, put yeah, 2019 no in the that. books. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, well, yeah, what a year. I know Wisconsin got a lot of the stuff that, that came here the next day. It was hitting Wisconsin. So I know you guys weren't spared much during this growing season either. It was All you can do is look back yeah. and laugh and, and uh, be thankful you can yeah. still go again next year. Well, I think we got more in than you guys did. As far as acres covered, because I was out there, I'm trying to think here, first part of October, I was out there in uh, South Dakota and stuff, and through Nebraska, and 
Uh, he was out there for uh, uh, Nebraska, the big harvest uh, trade show out there. Sure, sure. First part of September. And you guys definitely had uh, a lot more preventive plants than I got around here. I would think as far as percentage-wise, I think that part of the country is probably the worst. It, it was. It and was high. Northern Nebraska and then the South Dakota. Yeah, you know, that's one of the good things about about getting out. Like you say, you're doing some trucking, but uh, just the guys that got out and had a chance to drive around a little bit this summer got a really good idea of what was going on and and, uh, gave them some thoughts about how to do some marketing as well. Uh, Hey, Zane, thank you so much. Really appreciate talking to you. Uh, Good luck here as you wrap up what you got out in the field and, and head into next year. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. You bet. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. We started utilizing the Dua React system this year. You can adjust your speed and it automatically adjust your sprayer tips. So you can slow down and you aren't building up huge droplets, or you can speed up and you're not throwing a mist that's drifting. Hypro, helping you spray better. How much yield did you lose the moment you planted your seed? Introducing the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Designed and built by a farmer tired of seeing yield loss from poor stands, the Germinator gives your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. Visit farmshopmfg.com. White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot. If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three? Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit headsupst.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor herbicide brands. Always read and follow label directions. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Bean growers continue to see yield loss from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG Soil Fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield. You know a healthy crop is required for your best results. Simply put, balanced crop nutrition pays. Agri-liquid fertilizers have the research, technology, and products to deliver those results. We also have an outstanding team of field agronomists ready to help you with your fertility decisions. Agri-liquid can help you maximize your yield potential effectively and economically. Visit agriliquid.com to find a dealer near you.
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting today from the Morton studio talking about a 2019 or doing a show on 2019. Just the year in review. How was it on your farm? And really, I should probably rephrase that because we already know for most everybody, it wasn't the year that we were hoping for, right? So what I do want to know is how... Well, what did you learn really in 2019 that's going to help you and help you get better and help your farm get better in the future? So if you'd like to call in today, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us as well, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the agphd mailbag here in just a little bit if we have time. Uh, but first, let's get back to the phone lines, get Brad calling in from down in Iowa. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm fine. How about you guys today? Uh, well, we're doing great. I'm I, I'm just curious, though, like on your farm, is there anything you can learn from 2019 that you think is going to help you moving forward? Any Anything that stood out that's that's good? Yeah, well, for us on our farm, we're probably a little bit of the exception. Uh, we had a pretty decent year. I would say good. it's probably about our third, third best year on record. Nice. And I, I account that to the fact that we planted really early. We got all the corn in and... Um, by the end of April and had all the beans in by I think about the 5th of May. So I think the early planting was the, was a key driver there. We had some really surprisingly good beans compared to others, I think. Uh, but the corn was down just a little bit. And I, I think that is just due to constant wet early on and then later on in the fall as well. So biggest on that, we're, we are going to change some things up for next year, hopefully for the better. And, and probably the biggest one that we're doing is probably going after um, adding some infro starter products uh, for the corn planter yeah. uh, uh, to go along with changing our variety uh, or excuse me, our maturity risk on corn. So uh, we were a lot of long full season corn for us this year. And I think mixing that up just a little bit more along with uh, pushing on the front end with some infurl products will hopefully make things a little less stressful come fall. <laughs> yeah, I, I can just tell you like that infurl starter thing has been a big deal for us. And granted, we're a little bit further north from you. But what we've found is infurl starter typically will help us be one to two points drier in the fall. Well, you know, in, in a super hot year like 2012, it doesn't make any difference. But in some of these cooler, wetter years, wow, that extra 1% or 2% really helps you out a ton. And I'm with you on that maturity thing. We spread our maturity tremendously, way more than almost anybody around us. We're uh, 15 days different from top to bottom. So, I, I mean, we've got something to start on that's early and dry. And then, you know, we always finish with a little bit of real long maturity stuff, but at least it stretches it out. So anyway, no, I think that's a great plan. Like your in-furrow stuff, how many gallons of fertilizer are you talking about putting in-furrow? So right now, so we, we're working with uh, AgriLiquid. I think right now we're sitting at about a two and a half gallons of yeah. their product. Yep. And then we are actually trying to find a few other things to experiment with once you have this on the sure. planner as you guys know now you can start to investigate <laughs> lots of other things but we do so much continuous corn on corn uh so we're looking at either uh some maybe a potential insecticide some other biologicals yep. so trying to get that narrowed down and then uh, get a little bit of a design of experiments designed for next spring so we can just execute and keep moving 
Yep, that sounds great. Yeah, that's what we do too. Use biologicals and use uh, the liquid insecticide. I mean, that insecticide anymore, it just keeps getting cheaper all the time. And so that's that's been really good. I was looking, well, obviously we're getting to the, to the end of the year. So I'm looking at our costs and everything and how we turned out kind of field by field also. And yeah, the insecticide doesn't doesn't really hurt you too bad on the expense side, but a lot of times you get some good gains because just like you say, that corn on corn thing, you know, you got to be worrying about insects a little bit. We have some corn on corn too, and if you don't do it right, it's easy to lose 20 to 30 bushels to, due to insects. Yeah, yeah, we're concerned about that a little bit. Although we haven't had as much pressure the last couple of years. Um, I think it was three years ago, we had quite a bit of uh uh, northern corn leaf beetles and stuff that we saw sure. in the fall. So we went yep. ahead and sprayed, and I think that was a good move. Yeah. But uh, I think just keeping our eyes on it and digging some roots come this spring, we'll know, uh, get a better feel for how much pressure we have and, and then see if we need to d- and do more of that, and I would say in 2021 or and in, in, in beyond. Hey, how about weed control on your farm, Brad? Has that been going well? Yeah, we haven't had too much. Uh, my brother kind of h- handles most of the spraying. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do everything post. We don't do any pre-emerge. So we use uh, Acuron after planting sure. at about V3. Yeah. And that's been working really well for us. Yeah. And then on the soybean side, we did use Decamba this year. Um, it worked okay, but uh, we're going to switch over. The few beans that we do have next year are going to be in lift. So we're going to try those next year. Sure. Yeah, you got a lot more options when you go to extend or enlist in terms of the weed control. So with all those Roundup-resistant weeds out there, got to stay ahead of them one way or the other. Hey, Brad, it's been great talking to you today. I want to wish you a happy new year. Hope everything turns out great for you in 2020. Yeah, wish you guys the best too. Happy new year to you. Yep, thanks a lot. All right, so I I guess I'll I'll just throw in a couple more comments and we get to the Ag PhD mailbag. Uh, In terms of 2019... Like I was saying earlier, obviously drainage was a huge thing, and uh, you know we we talked about the green snap issue, but I I would say what Brad brought up was an excellent point talking about in furrow stuff, uh, spreading the risk a little bit on maturity. This is something too that our our dad talked to us about all the time. Just planning way ahead, so we're already thinking about okay, how many acres of corn am I going to put in? What happens if, worst case scenario, it's all real wet? How do we handle that in the fall so we can get done in an appropriate time? Do we have enough equipment to do that? Do we enough, have enough bins to do that? Do we have enough big enough? Do we have a big enough wet bin? And it, you know, just stepping it all the way through. So really giving it a lot of thought. And obviously, at this time of year, like if you're where we're at, where it's what 15 degrees outside today, about 30 mile an hour winds, snowy icy, you go, yeah, I don't really want to work outside today anyway. So you can make a lot of money just penciling these things out and running calculations on your farm to to determine, well, what do I really need? I, I mean, going through all your expenses, all your assets, what do I actually need for the farm? So lots of those types of things you can work on here over the next couple of months. We do that every single year on our own farm. And boy, that's so helpful. So when we do get to a fall like this year, we were ready to go. We had we, we have a propane tank so we can hold semi-load quantities and we have two continuous flow grain dryers. We have an enormously huge wet bin, wet holding bin. 
Uh, so yeah, we had uh, the most corn that our farm has ever had in terms of acreage, yet we still got done on time. Everything turned out fine, had very low drying cost, even though the corn was wet. So, I mean, there are ways to manage these things if you just start thinking ahead. And you also need to pencil this out too to say, can I actually afford to do this or should I go a different direction? Should I change my crop rotation because I can't really cover all those acres in the fall if I do have wet corn? So lots of considerations. Well, there are, there are always so many things to think about on the farm because there's not just one right way to do things. There there are a lot of different options. And I like talking today uh, with Mitch out in Montana, and he said, we had to start thinking outside the box. We were having trouble. They were having issues with wheat stem sawfly, a pest that they just couldn't stop. And they thought, we got to change our rotation up. They figured out, you know what? There's a market here for alfalfa in our area. We can go that route and make more money and not have that problem. So it's a win-win deal for them. And I would venture to guess, Brian, there's a win-win deal for almost every farm operation out there that, you know what, if you made a change, it could make life easier for you and also help you make more money. And I get it. Sometimes those things are pretty tough to do. And it is tough to change because we all like to do things the same way if we can. But boy, you have to look at the different options. Like this year, I just think about, we've gotten so many questions about all these rebate programs on um, crop protection products this year. Yeah, guess what? You're probably going to use a different mix than you used last year, and you're going to do it for less money and have even better weed control or just as good a weed control. That's great. Let's let's make those changes. But you have to do the homework and find out, all right, what are the options that I've got? And now's the right time to do it on crop protection products. It's also the right time to do it with your accountant. It's also the right time to do it with your crop mix and your equipment and the whole works. Yeah, and we're all for cutting expenses, but we want to make sure that we're not cutting things that are making us money on the farm. So anyway, if you've got any questions for us, anything you want to talk about going on in your farm, you want to talk about 2019 at all, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD, and we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. There's a new authority in town. New Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines the best-in-class Group 14 PPO herbicide with the newest Group 15 herbicide for lasting residual control of water hemp, palmer amaranth, kochia, pigweed, and other tough, resistant weeds. This exclusive liquid premix of single application chemistries protects your soybeans from pre-plant to harvest. It also protects your bottom line. Authority Supreme Herbicide qualifies for the agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Rule your soybean fields with more authority than ever before with Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC. More powerful preventative control isn't on the horizon, it's here. Visit your FMC retailer or fmccrop.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions, restrictions, and precautions for use. Authority Supreme Herbicide is not registered for sale or use in California. FMC and Authority are trademarks of FMC Corporation or an affiliate. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. 
Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better, built stronger, lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're diving into the Ag PhD Mailbag right now. I'm going to get to an email that got sent in by one of our listeners here in just a second. Our email box, radio at agphd.com, is always open. But if you'd like to just give us a call, we are in the studio, and we'd love to take your call and chat with you about your question. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, let's get to that email here. This is from Jason up in Alberta, and he said, I got a question about tissue sampling. We've been pulling samples every week during the growing season the last couple of years and building our own data set for nutrient levels in plants at certain GDUs, as we've heard Randy Dowdy talk about. What I've been doing, though, is taking the samples, dehydrating them, and then sending them in all together at the end of the season. I don't really need to know the levels every time I sample. I'm just wondering... Uh, Do you think dehydrating would change any of those levels compared to just sending in fresh samples each week? I do. And the reason why is because I think that the leaf is going to somehow decompose and something's going to change. Now, I don't know because I've never tested this, but all I know is that scares me. I don't think it's going to be as accurate. It might be, and maybe this is fine. Yeah, next quite year you, frankly, can, you can find it out by doing it each way and yep, at least right. on a few samples. Exactly, and that's how you do it. But I, I, I guess for our own farm, we rarely use plant tissue analysis to make changes during the season, but we definitely use the plant tissue analysis to make changes for future years. But if, let's say, you're in an area where you have irrigation or you have light soils or you do have a lot of rainfall, you do have a lot of heat. I mean, there are a lot of factors in there that would say, you know, I could make some changes during the season and get by with it. In our condition where we have very little rainfall, typically we're cold and we have super heavy soil, it's tough to make changes in season. So that's why, you know, now we start getting a lot of reports back from people and people that do have our types of conditions for both soil and weather put on most of their nitrogen up front and it works out much better than doing any side dress stuff. As opposed to somebody who has lighter soil, lots of rainfall, a lot more heat, then 
split applying and maybe even making multiple two, three, four applications in season with nitrogen, that can work out better. So we all have these different conditions. And so I don't know when you're going to need to use that tissue analysis. But all I'm getting at here is, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about not sending them all in till or not sending them all in immediately. That is what I would do. But just test it out next year and see if my theory is flawed. All right. Thanks for the question, Jason. Really appreciate that. Again, here's outside the box thinking. Maybe there's more than one way to do this thing. And and yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that turns out. Got a question from Keegan down in Nebraska. He said, when looking at soil zinc levels and trying to get the relationship to phosphorus correct, which extraction method for zinc should you be using? The DTPA tests or something like a Malik 3? We don't usually see a lot of difference. Now, I, I'm don't get me wrong. Every lab can give you a little different level, but generally speaking, we find them to be in ratio. So if somebody is always, if let's say a DTPA test from your lab, because those can be done different too, is constantly showing two parts per million, and then you're getting a Malik 3 from somebody else is constantly showing four, well, you know what? If you go up to three in the DTPA, it might be in the five to six range on that Malik. I'm just saying it's usually in ratio. The one nutrient that isn't in ratio is manganese. The manganese from DTPA to malic 3 is not in ratio. And the reason why is because of the nutrient availability when you get to higher pH soils. In higher pH soils, we have a lot more problem with manganese availability. So the manganese might be detected by the malic 3 but it's not available then according to the DTPA and what we typically will find in plant tissue analysis. Hey, thanks for the question, Keegan. Really appreciate that. Uh, Brian's been talking about Roundup and just with some of the programs this year. Would it be smart to buy more than what you're going to use for this year uh, for that reason? And also with lawsuits and other things going on with Roundup, will the price be going up? Uh, we've got some feedback on that, Brian. Let me give you a few of these here, and then you can comment after that. Uh, so we got from Ryan. He said, I'm, I'm nervous if I bought Roundup now, there'd be another tie-in program next year and I'd miss out. Uh, and also, maybe in the next few years, there'll be some new product that comes out that I don't even want to use Roundup anymore anyway. Uh, Josh said, I'm worried about tying up my money. I think I might get a better return on my investment doing other things. How much do you think the price would really go up? And uh, Adam had a comment. He said, maybe I should just buy additional years of fertilizer if I have extra money. That might be a smarter move for my farm, and I might just gain more using the fertilizer than gambling that the Roundup price is going up. Okay, so we got a few things there, Brian. What uh, what do you think? Okay, so first of all, I've thrown this out a few different times that because of the way the programs are structured from Bayer this year, should you, should I consider buying five years worth of Roundup for my farm? Now, I'm not saying you definitely should go do this, but what I am saying is you got to at least think about it because all of a sudden, if I can buy Roundup for a lower price than I've ever been able to buy it ever, ever, ever before in any other year before, and I say, you know what? Um, I think the price of Roundup is going up because of all these lawsuits and, you know, surely there's going to be cost there. I, I mean, Roundup doesn't cause cancer, but it's going to cost Bayer hundreds of millions of dollars to defend it. So they're going to have to raise the Roundup price, I believe. Um, you know, it just makes me think, well, why wouldn't I go ahead and buy it then? So anyway, in terms of 
Could there be another tie-in program next year? Certainly there could be. What I what you always have to look at whenever you're going to buy anything ahead, whether it's prepaying today just for next spring, or whether you're literally going to take product you know, for the next couple, three years, you have to look at what's my downside risk and what's the upside. We do this the same way with grain marketing. So here's the way I look at it. Let's say that you have 2,000 acres worth of Roundup at a quart. Now, a quart of six pound, that's a quart and a half of four pound, just so we're all on the same page here, okay? But anyway, if I could get a quart, and that's over 2,000 acres, I'm talking 500 gallons, okay? And so grand total net, you're going to spend for 500 gallons, um, well, let, let me let, let me rethink this. So it's about $2 and it's probably $8. Yeah, I'm just thinking through the math. So let's call it worst case scenario. At the most, you're going to pay 10 bucks for this. I mean, if you get in on this this rebate program. So 10 bucks times 500 gallons, so you got $5,000. Okay, so as soon as I hear somebody say, well, uh, maybe I should buy more fertilizer instead, I'm going, Really? Can you store that? I mean, if I'm going to buy 500 gallons worth of Roundup, I got two shuttles tied up. If you're going to buy a year's worth of fertilizer, I mean, now I've got buildings tied up and I probably have, I don't know, 30 times the money tied up. Well, you could. Otherwise, you could put additional fertilizer out. Like, say, for example, you wanted to build up your K levels in your soil from 2% to 7. Yeah, but that's different. Would that be a smarter investment than stockpiling Roundup? Well, okay. That was so. So so here's the other thing. In terms of return on investment, I want to do anything and everything that's going to give me a really good chance. Now, nothing's guaranteed, but I want to do anything and everything that's going to give me a really good chance of having a great ROI. So if I'm at 2% base saturation K, um, I honestly don't, well, I care what it costs, but if stay with me here. I don't care that much what it costs because I know that I'm losing yield and I'm I'm going to have more green snap issues, more lodging issues, more quality issues, more dry down issues until I get that base saturation K above at least four. And when I'm going for big time yields, I want it above six. Ask these really high yield guys what their base saturation K is. It's, it's way above that even. So my point is, when we talk about investing in fertilizer for the future, well, yeah, but it's also investing it for literally right now. But anyway, my whole point with this Roundup deal is, sure, I mean, there, there could be future tie-ins that, are, that make it cheaper, but it's never been cheaper than this if you, if you take the tie-in deal that there is right now. Is there some new product that's going to replace it? Nope, not going to happen. Um, and you can say, well, I have resistant weeds. Yeah, you do, but what's cheaper than you know, $2 an acre to go kill all your grass and kill a lot of broadleaves? It's, it, it's dirt cheap. So again, I'm not saying definitely buy five years worth of Roundup, but I am saying Shouldn't we at least think about it? I mean, part of what we do here is to get you thinking. You're smarter than we are, I'm sure. And you can think through your own stuff, run through your own numbers, but at least we're getting your brain working, getting you off-center to just say, well, let's do the same thing we did last year. No, just do the same thing we did last year. No way. No way. Let's look at how we can improve, how we can save more money, how we can be more profitable on the farm, and that's what we're trying to always get you to think about. Yes, thinking outside the box, thinking a little bit differently, considering other alternatives for your farm that could be potentially more profitable or a better way to farm. It's always a good thing to do. you got to be constantly learning if you want to be successful. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.